Welcome to Talking Shop with Teresa and Bree, the show where we dish out tips and advice for mystical business owners and service providers. So what is a mystical business owner exactly? Well, if you work as a tarot card reader, astrologer, a Reiki healer, an intuitive counselor, an oracle, medium, or if you do any other kind of spiritual or mystical art as part of your profession, we're talking about you. And I'm Teresa. And I'm Bree. Hi, everyone. So we have both been self-employed mystics running our own businesses for decades upon decades. And because of that, we know what goes into running a successful business. We know exactly how much heart, grit, and hustle it takes to get your business afloat and keep things rocking along smoothly. And Bree and I do this show together once a month because we love sharing business strategies that we've learned over the years. And also, we really love seeing our fellow you know, mystical and spiritual business providers. We love seeing you guys thrive and succeed. And in each episode of Talking Shop, what we're trying to do is we are trying to tackle different topics and subjects, and we often feature wonderful guests. So, so true. And today's topic is storytelling and intuitive marketing. This is a big one that I know a bunch of you are excited about. And today's guest is Taya Silvestre of Story Bistro. Taya is a marketing expert and all about the story, telling them, listening to them, and figuring out what they mean. She's also the author of Attract and Feed a Hungry Crowd, How Thinking Like a Chef Can Help You Build a Solid Business and the co-author and editor of 30 Ways to Bloom Your Relationships Online. Thanks for tuning in to listen, everyone. We're super happy to have you here. Let's get this show started. Welcome, Taya. Thank you for joining us. Woohoo! So glad to be here. Thanks for having me. And we are excited to have you here, and you are all the way on the West Coast, so you're representing the West. That's awesome. Uh, I'm in the the Midwest, and Bree is South, so, you know, we've got almost all the corners of the states covered here tonight, which is pretty awesome. So let's get right off with um, diving right into this this topic. You know, Taya, since we're talking about storytelling for business, what we'd love you to do is share your business story with us and with our audience. How did you get started in marketing, and what's the story behind the Story Bistro? Mm. <laughs> well, we don't have all night, so I'll have to do the Reader's Digest version of that. <laughs> um, I've been in marketing for close to 30 years now, getting up there. And when I first went to college, well, before I went to college, I worked in a bank in the marketing department and really enjoyed myself there um, and found that they would not promote me without a bachelor's degree. So I went back to school. But when I went back to school, I did not go to school for marketing. I I decided to be an English major because if I was going to pay all that money, (laughs) I was going to do something that I loved, and that was... Um, read and write and and so that's really where I got my storytelling chops down you know in terms of not only looking at stories and understanding what they mean looking at the metaphors and the themes and what you know what's the author trying to say but also creatively writing my own stories so I got to do both of those things in college and then when I got out I was like hmm what can I do with this? (laughs) 
you know? <laughs> and uh, I just kind of fell back into working in marketing departments and over the years worked my way up into, you know, C-level um, management. So I got a really good handle on all the different aspects of marketing. And when I finally decided to start my own agency, I thought, oh, I know. I know how to do this, right? Because I've been in management. I've had to deal with million-dollar budgets and big um, PR agencies and all kinds of things. But running a small business is not like being <laughs> in charge of a department somewhere. Um, there's a whole lot of other stuff that you have to learn. So um, I will say that I, I did learn it, and I'm happy to be here helping other small business owners figure it out too. Oh, and we're so happy that you're here, absolutely, and that you're sharing all of this goodness with us. I love the story about going back to school and studying English because you wanted to get bang for your buck. I'm I'm totally there with you. <laughs> um, I still get that. So can you tell us why stories are so important for business owners? Well, stories are important for humans, <laughs> and, yes, yes. and as a business owner, you know, it's really crucial that we figure out how to um, create relationships with people and, you know, with the right people who, who need to work with us. And so if we get our arms around the whole storytelling thing, we can um, create better ways of reaching out to people that don't sound all salesy and, um, you know, midnight infomercial, right? Mm. We, it, it's just, it's such a more honest and real way to reach out and connect with people. It's important because our brains work on stories. So even if, um, you know, you don't get all the details of a story, your brain will fill those in. It's amazing how that works. And if you know that that's the way people's brains work, then why not, um, you know, use that out to your advantage? And I'm not saying that in a way that we're going to, like, do some mystical voodoo on somebody with a story, but rather just know that when you're writing a newsletter, for example, or a blog post that you include some storytelling things in there <laughs> because that's going to make people pay want to pay more attention. It's more interesting to them, right? And oh, that's totally. really the whole idea. It, you know, it's interesting to say that because um, I subscribe to a lot of these little business and also to some tarot newsletters. And the ones that, of course, that I tend to read the most are the ones that have stories in them that have you know things that are going to really catch my attention there there's a, a writer Melissa Casera who uh she has Casera uh, communications and she writes wonderful wonderful things in her newsletter so it's one that I always read and Paul Jarvis is another one I mm -hmm. read his Sunday dispatches religiously because there's always an interesting story. He's got a very interesting voice. So I know as someone who's reading these different newsletters, uh, when they are able to tell a compelling story, they're getting my attention, and it's making me more likely to talk about their work, to recommend them to others, or to purchase some of the stuff that they're doing. 
Exactly. And the thing that's so crucial to remember is that, um, you know, if you go, like, even if you go out into a, a networking event or maybe even a friend's cocktail party, it's not about telling, you know, having your elevator pitch down. It's about being able to share specific stories about specific things that you do with your with and for your clients. That's how people are going to get it. You know, if you just name it and say, well, I'm a such and such, that doesn't really tell us anything. You know, mm-hmm. it doesn't, even if we know, like if you were to say, I'm a bookkeeper, <laughs> we know what bookkeepers do, mm-hmm. but we don't know how you do it. Mm-hmm. We don't know um, your specific flavor of that. And a lot of times people will come to me initially and say, you know, I love this whole storytelling idea, but I really have no stories to tell. I'm not interesting. I don't know what you mean. I I have nothing. <laughs> you know, like I don't mm-hmm. know how to do that. I I didn't have, you know, horrible childhood. I, I, they just can't think of themselves in that way of having an interesting story to tell. And so what one of the things that I do with folks is I help them see that they do indeed have <laughs> lots of really interesting stories they can tell. They might not be, you know, these um, adrenaline-inducing cliffhanger things that we watch in movies, but they're still very interesting and much more interesting than an elevator pitch, to be sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Elevator pitches are boring, and they always feel salesy. Exactly. And they always leave you wanting more. You know, I think exactly like you're saying, Ted, you're you're just like, okay, and that told me nothing. (laughs) (laughs) Like, so what do you do and and how does it help people or how does it create something beautiful or, you know, what are you jazzed up about? Right. And then people get stuck because they try to, you know, explain it in this general way that will – they think apply to everyone when really what they need to do is just pick one client and talk about what they did for that one client as an example, you know, that's what you do when you tell a story. So can you tell us for the people who are listening, what is the best way to find your business story or stories? And can you give an example of how if you were, maybe working with a client, how you might pull a story out of them. Like what would be some of the methods? So it's kind of a two-part question. What's the best way to find your story, and can you show us how you might pull a story out of someone? Sure. So first you have to know that you have more than one story, right, and that the stories that you're going to tell in marketing your business are not really about you. (laughs) So this is where it gets a little tricky, right? Because I just got done telling you that you should be telling stories about yourself, which Mm -hmm. they're stories that are yours because you lived them and and were part of them, but you are not the main character of. Okay, Mm -hmm. so let me just say that again. You are not the hero of the story. Your client is. And all of your clients that you work with are the heroes. So when you're telling stories, you're really looking for the ones that highlight how you support them as the mentor. So if we think about um, the hero's journey, people know, many of us know that structure now. 
you know, the hero of the story is the one that gets the call to adventure and um, goes out into the world to accomplish something. And along the way, takes with her or him um, a band of folks to help them accomplish their goal. And part of the process of that is encountering the mentor, the person who has the wisdom. So if you think about, like, even Star Wars, you know, um, Obi-Wan Kenobi is the mentor, um, Yoda is a mentor. So those are the mentor figures in the story. They're not the main character. They sure play a lovely piece in that whole, you know, how we're going to use the Force to accomplish our goals, but they're not the main character. So if you're looking at what stories do you need to tell, you want to look at which um, which clients you've worked with would make the best examples for what you'd like more of. And typically when I'm trying to help folks with this, we start with their favorites, you know. Think back to your favorite client that you've worked with in the past. And depending on, you know, what the question is, because there are different stories for different uses, um, then you'll be able to have something really easy to pull from. Mm-hmm. That makes yeah. sense. Totally. Of course, I have lots of different ways <laughs> of getting people there. And, Teresa, you know that I have that deck that I created. Yes, let's talk about that deck for a moment. Okay. (laughs) Let's talk about that deck. Um, I have it right here, actually. (laughs) I have it set out here. Um, For people who are listening, uh, Taya created this wonderful, uh, it's, it's a deck, with it's a tarot deck, but it's for helping you to write stories for your business, and it's quite clever. Could you tell people about this and how they can get one and how they can use it for their business? Sure. So um, you can get one by going to storybistro.com and looking for the gift shop. It'll be in there. The deck is actually something that you can use for divination as well. So if you wanted to use it um as a way to figure out something in your business, you could do that. Um, give yourself readings, do readings with other people. But I developed the deck mainly as a deck of story prompts. So if you're trying to just um, play around with, you know, coming up with different ideas for content marketing, like writing a blog post and you're just stuck, I'm not sure what I should write about. This one, you know, you draw a card and it, it basically asks you a question. And then as you answer that question, you have a story that you can tell with a lesson, right? We, If we remember that all the stories that we're telling have a point, <laughs> then, and you make that point, which is usually a lesson, then you've done your job. Well, I'm going to pull one right now. And why don't we, all three of us, kind of play with telling a little story and use this as an example from this deck. Does that sound like a good idea, you guys? Yeah. Sure. Let's do it. Okay. So let me just shuffle them up. And, oh, I picked the chef. <laughs> and the chef <laughs> says, think about your strengths. And it says, describe the magic you bring to the world through your business. Describe the magic you bring to the world through your business. 
Bree, why don't you start? Because you are the most magical person I know, actually. <laughs> <laughs> you are darling. Um, describe the magic that you bring to the world through your business. So I would say that the magic that I bring into the world through my work is the ability to help people transform difficult situations into better situations and to live in a way that is more whole, more healthy, and more holy, more reverent, deeply reverent about the things that matter most. Mm. Nice. And can you tell us a story that would illustrate that? Well, you know, I have a whole course that is um, based on fairy tales. So that's Ooh. naturally where I go, where I go to. And, you know, I see that theme in so many fairy tales, but the one that is immediately coming to mind is the story of Little Red Riding Hood going into something that is dark and unknown and encountering a very dangerous situation, right, one that's life-threatening and one that threatens people that she loves. And through her discernment, through her wits, is able to transform that into a victory, at least in some of the versions. And what I like about Little Red Riding Hood is that she does not find the resources anywhere but within herself, right? And that's something that I often teach my students and remind my clients of is that whatever it is that you're looking for, you're carrying it with you. It's just a matter of seeing it clearly, right? Remembering it, putting it back into work in your life right here and right now. Great. And can you tell us, is there an example of a client that you worked with that would illustrate that? I have so, so many, but I'm thinking of one woman in particular that I've been working with um, for the last uh, last couple of years, and she's a young woman. She's about my age, and she has been undergoing some really, really serious um health issues, physical health issues that are pretty devastating and pretty debilitating. And the way that she has gone through them and has maintained her spirit and actually has deepened her understanding, her practices, her love of life in so many ways, under conditions that for many of us, myself included, would really make us just want to like tune out and not and just not be engaged. She has chosen to consciously engage and has reaped the benefits of that emotionally and spiritually and also even materially, has has is really in such a more clear place now than she was when we started working together because she chose to show up and she chose to she chose to do the work and not run away from the hard stuff but actually mine it for treasure look for look for the blessings in the broken places as i often say i love that and if i were working with you you were my client i would keep poking at you and poking at you to give me specifics so as right. you've noticed, I've kept yeah. saying, can you give me an example of that, right? This is the the very basic um, premise of storytelling is to show, not tell. 
Mm. And so when mm. we show somebody something, we give them a specific example of what's, when something happened. Um, you know, we set the scene. We talk about what happened, what their decision was, what their response was, and what they learned or how they transformed. And, and it's very specific. It's not general in terms of like an overview. It's a specific example of something happening. So if I were working with you, I'd keep poking at you to do that until you could tell me one story about that lady. Right. And and maybe write that in a blog post or something. That's such a great process. And I love how these cards really do open up a dialogue, whether you're having a dialogue with like working with you as a coach or whether uh, somebody is working on their own. These are just really a great way to start poking, as you say, and kind of pulling the story out. You know what was funny, too? I remember when you and I were um, discussing <laughs> this deck before. Um, for those who are listening who didn't know, I had Teresa look at the cards and give me feedback before I made them ready for public consumption. And she mentioned that, you know, if you started pulling two cards or three cards and combining them, you'd have really super powerful prompts. So mm -hmm. there's literally thousands of combinations here, and you would never run out of ideas. Not that, you know, many entrepreneurs have that problem. <laughs> but still, <laughs> when it comes to, you know, storytelling and content marketing, we do tend to get a little writer's block from time to time. So. Mm -hmm. So true. So does somebody else want to tell a story? Teresa? Hmm. Yeah, Teresa. So if I had to describe, because I do the same thing with the same card, should I grab a different card just to, like, give everybody sure. an example? Why don't I give everybody an example of another card yeah. so they can see how clever they are? So I'm shuffling it up. Just so you guys know, I have a really obnoxious cat on my lap. So the story I'm telling you right now is that I'm actually being controlled by a cat this entire time tonight. Anyhow, the card I told <laughs> is the Queen of Whisk. I love these little titles, by the way, the Queen of Whisk. Isn't that adorable? And it says, think about your business. The last time you took action after careful consideration of all options. Oh, I can tell you exactly what that is. Um, recently, I had a situation where there was some very uncomfortable situations with um, some clients, and I had to put down some new hardcore boundaries, and it had to do with my in-person readings. And, you know, years ago when I started my business, I did all of my work in person. And over the years, things have changed because of technology. A lot of my clients got older also, didn't want to drive down here, et cetera, et cetera. So the the whole doing it in person has become less and less of a thing. And I still offer it, but I've been starting to do things where I want a referral. I want to know where you're coming from. I want to make sure you're not crazy. And I had something go real crazy and really sideways last year. And after that happened, I had to really start thinking about I want to feel safe in my business. I want my clients to feel safe. I don't want crazy stuff. It's just not my thing. And so my new rule is if I do not know you and you want to come in person, we are first going to do a session over the phone so we can feel each other out, make sure that we are a good fit. Mm. 
and that's been the big thing. And and I've had some clients who've been resisting that, but I've been really working on the boundary thing. So the last time I took action was after dealing with this crazy, and I'm like, you know what, uh-uh, I'm not going to work like this. And that made me start to look at how am I doing business? How can I feel safe and protected in my business? I love that. Now, the listeners might be wondering, but what does that have to do with marketing, that story? It has a lot to do with marketing because when you are an entrepreneur, you have to really come up with the policies and boundaries that are going to serve you and your clients. Boundaries and policies are very important. Uh, I think a lot of times when we are starting out our business, we assume that we have to serve everybody, right? And so oftentimes then we take on people who are not appropriate. Or if you're in the business of tarot, you think sometimes you can help everybody. And it's really humbling to discover that you can't and to discover that not everybody is meant to be your client and that there are some people out there that are probably not appropriate for your business. And I think boundaries is a really, really hard one. So for marketing, uh, you know, oftentimes I do teaching on business and teaching people boundaries is one of the things I end up teaching a lot. Boundaries and policies, boundaries and policies. It's a, I think it's a challenging issue for a lot of us. Well, I really you, like what you said about safety, too. I just have to, like, I think the safety aspect of marketing is so important, especially in our work. And I sure, love because you're visible. And how yeah. are we visible? How can you be visible but still feel protected? Yeah. You know, yeah. So it's, it's a hot topic. We could talk about this. Uh, we could have a whole other spinoff talking about that. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, well, this, this and, little, go ahead. No, I was going to say, you know, one of the things I've always said is that everything is marketing. Mm-hmm. And so, like, you know, as you noted, boundaries and, and policies are really important. That kind of falls under, you know, part of it is operations, like how are you operating your business. Mm-hmm. But the other part of it is customer service and how you're setting expectations with people. Right. And as your potential client, I appreciate you more knowing that you have thought this through and that you're taking both of our safety into um, account. And that is marketing because you telling me that story and sharing with me your policy is marketing. It tells me something about you. It tells me that um, that you don't want to just take any old person off the street, <laughs> that, mm-hmm. that you value a good client, and so that makes me more attracted to you. You know, I, I thank you. That what I, The wonderful thing that I have found, even though there's been a little balking here and there from a few, but most people do really appreciate that, and they know that I'm being discerning because I also want to make sure I provide good customer service. And you can't provide good customer service if you feel scared. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. Mm. Really true. Really, really true. So I want to ask, Taya, since we've been talking about stories, and I know that this is, I know this is resonating for a lot of the people who listen into Talking Shop, let's talk about voice. And t- let's talk specifically about how you can ensure that you sound like you and why this matters so much. I know that this has been a hot issue <coughs> excuse me, for Teresa and to some extent for me because 
Teresa has been copied, right, like so yeah. many times. Oh, my goodness. Um, you know, and and so we've talked in other shows about, you know, in people being copycats and imitating um, our voice. And, of course, the root of that comes from a person not having a sense of their voice, of their unique voice and, and right. their ability to sound like themselves, unique, unlike anyone else. So how do we crack that nut? You know, I wish that this was something that was taught to people in elementary school because it's one of those things that um, it, it's definitely on my list, my hot list of pet peeves when people say, oh, i got to find my voice and, you know, do all of these things. And it really, it's not that you're finding your voice, it's that you're listening to your voice. Mm-hmm. And that's the difference. So people will see somebody else out in the world doing something fabulous like Teresa and not be in touch with their own voice and think that in order for them to be successful, they have to be like her, right? Because obviously they can't hear themselves. They haven't listened to themselves. They don't know that voice yet. It's not that they need to find it. It's that they just need to stop and listen to it. And so one of the the ways that you can do this is um, a writing practice that's called proprioceptive writing. Now, I did not make this up. (laughs) This is something that um, was developed by a woman um, named Linda Metcalf. She has a book called Writing the Mind Alive. So you can go find that on Amazon, the proprioceptive method for finding your authentic voice. And basically, it's it's not free writing. Like, you know, when we're, those of us who are creative in any sense have probably read The Artist's Way and mm-hmm. have been told we need to do morning pages and different kinds of free writes and stuff like that. Um, PW, proprioceptive writing, is really slow and mindfulness writing. So it's um, writing by hand for 25 minutes and writing down what you hear in your head. Mm. And writing it um, and stopping every so often to ask yourself, what do I mean by X? And listening for the answer. And she's got other... Um, kind of activities that go along with it, one of the things she recommends doing is reading your work out loud. So, you know, reading, you do this writing and then you read it out loud to yourself. And it helps you hear your voice inside your head, outside your head, all of that. So you get used to how you hear, how you sound. A lot of us, you know, we've never heard ourselves recorded on audio or video and and the first time we do we're like really I sound like that (laughs) you know (laughs) if you ever remember that feeling of um, having that first time that you heard yourself on a on a recording you know what I'm talking about Um, but it really is um, reading something out loud that you've written whether it's a blog post or an email or whatever and as you're reading it you know kind of editing to make sure that you're phrasing sounds like you, right? All of us have different patterns for phrasings. We have short sentences. We have long sentences. Most of us don't sound like academic professors when we when we talk. But a lot of times people think they need to write that way because that makes them sound smart when mm-hmm. really that's not their voice. 
that's probably the biggest um, challenge that I have with some of my clients. I had a doctor come work with me who was very academic and left-brained, and she wanted to write really badly, but she was just so, you know, she she thought that it was never going to work. And slowly but surely, I got her to uh, loosen up and write in her own voice and tell stories, and now she loves it. She's like the biggest fan of blogging, <laughs> you know? <laughs> and And that's all you can hope for, is to get people excited about their own writing. Right. Well, we don't have to worry about me sounding overly scholarly. I thought Medea was uh, Tyler Perry, so. That's true. That was that was a good show. I like that. <laughs> so I want to talk. <laughs> I want to talk about uh, another thing. I um, about sharing. How much we should share. You know, um, a while back I had written a story on my blog about taking a pregnancy test at fifty. And my husband was kind of like, what the hell are you putting that out there for? That's TMI. And I said, no. (laughs) (laughs) I said, this is something that it's happening. It's funny. I want to share it. And, you know, I got a lot of really funny feedback and private emails from other women who had similar situations. And, you know, we got a lot of laughs about it. But it brought up this thing about oversharing because he thought it was too far. So how much do you think we should share with our clients, and when does it cross the line to oversharing? Well, my my first rule of thumb is whatever you're sharing, are you in the middle of it, or have you moved past it enough to look back and, you know, have it integrated into your psyche? So... You'll notice that a lot of people that are younger, not all, but a lot, they tend to share all the hot mess that they're currently going through. Mm. And, you know, if I'm looking to hire somebody, I don't necessarily, especially for my business, I don't necessarily want somebody who's going through a hot mess. Now, Mm -hmm. that might be bad prejudice of me. (laughs) You know, you may have some real health issues that you're dealing with. But if you put that out there on social media and tell everybody, then you can't expect folks to be like, oh, I'm going to hire her because she's really having a meltdown. <laughs> you know, that's not that's not a good thing. But if you've gone through the meltdown and you've learned your lessons and you can use it as a relevant teaching point for something, then by all means, you know, share it. In I'm I shared about my broken ankle when I had it. I put, you know, pictures of the x-ray up on on Facebook. Now, that was in the middle of it, right? Mm-hmm. I did I did share that because I was wanted people to know, you know, I'm getting, I'm going through some stuff right now. You might not want to hire me. <laughs> right? Like I'm going to be on some pain medication. I wanted my clients to know I'm not ignoring you. Mm-hmm. So you have to decide, you know, what which part you want and which part you don't. Um, unfortunately, we have a, a lot of stigma attached to things that are mental and not physical. So, mm-hmm. um, and you know, regular illness versus chronic illness. So if you if you have a chronic illness, 
then of course you're going to have to be honest with people and let them know, hey, you know, something might be happening and I might not be available. Is that okay? Because people need to know that. Um, But putting, you know, all of your rundown at the gynecologist online and all the medications you've been prescribed and all of this other stuff might not be in your best interest, Mm -hmm. at least in the moment. You know, after the fact, if you feel like there's a lesson in there that should be shared, whether it's um, specific to your business or relevant to the work that you do in some way, then yeah, I think that we we all need more of that. That's how we know you're human. Mm. Right on. Yeah, yeah. It creates that sense of relatability right yeah Yeah. you know one of the one of the things i learned um many many years ago about what makes a really good brand is um one that has a weakness Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. it's not necessarily a weakness that's related to the work or the product or whatever but it's an idiosyncrasy or something some kind of quirky, weird thing that most people might think is a weakness. Mm-hmm. And that tends to make people feel like they can relate to you. So Yeah. Yeah, because they can get real with you. You can, exactly. you can have a real experience. Yeah. Yeah. That totally makes sense. So it sounds like, you know, definitely when it comes to oversharing don't be in the middle of it for a couple of reasons. You know, one reason is that it will alienate potential clients if you are a hot mess on Facebook, right? And yeah. taking everyone through it. And but another reason and I, I thought to you were saying, you know, the more important reason is that you don't have the objectivity to look at the situation and say, you know, what did I pull from this that that, you know, does inform what I do or how I do it or who I do it for. That that is something that I really could share um and and have a you know, have a point to make or or have like just a good story to tell about it. Exactly. Yeah. I mean you you can find a point to make about anything if you look hard enough. It's it's actually not that hard. Yeah. But, you know, the the point is that you um give yourself a little tiny bit of space before you start sharing. Well, and I think this leads really nicely to one of our next questions, which is, you know, what happens if the proverbial well runs dry? So, you know, how do you find stories for your blog or to share on social media, for example, when the muse is not showing up, the ladies are not appearing, and life feels really boring. I think that this is exactly the moment where a lot of times people do fall into oversharing because they're looking for something that they can say or they can share, and it doesn't feel like there's a lot happening creatively. Maybe they're feeling a little emptied out or a little dried up. So how do you work with people when they hit that spot? You know, it doesn't happen too often, Um especially if you have any sort of regular writing practice where you know, okay, if I can just prime the pump with um, a little bit of of a prompt, which is kind of where the story deck, you know, the prompt deck came in, but also 
um, the the practice, the PW of starting with one topic. Well, so let's say that you um, that you know that you have this thing you want to sell, and you need to write a couple blog posts that will help promote that in some way. So there's a topic kind of a general topic that you know you want to talk about. If you start there as your kind of thing that I want to explore and and ask yourself, what do I think about this or what do I feel about this and just start writing, it will usually develop into something you can use for content marketing. I mean, I've gone as far as like even recently sharing a dream that I had, <laughs> you know, in my mm-hmm. newsletter because Let's be honest, most of us in the wintertime are not getting out of our houses nearly enough, (laughs) you know? So the stuff that's happening in your life might be very boring, you know? It might be limited to um, whatever you're watching on Netflix or going to the grocery store, if you even do that. Because if you're, you know, if you're stuck snowed in, you're not going anywhere, so you have to kind of get creative about what's going on. Um, but if that happens, then, you know, that's a perfect opportunity to go back to the past and look for stories from your childhood, look for stories from your clients. It doesn't always have to be your story. Mm. Great advice. hmm so let's talk a little bit about web copy. We've talked a lot about, you know, sharing stories and blog, blogs and all that stuff, which is all a part of marketing. But, you know, when we are putting up sales pages, I think for a lot of, like, heart-centered entrepreneurs, uh, people who work in more of these spiritual industries, we tend to be a little bit ishy about the whole web copy thing because we don't want to appear pushy. So... How can you create good, compelling web copy um, that doesn't feel pushy but still asks for the sale? Well, I happen to have a couple of, I don't want to call them tricks, but, you know, (laughs) there's some some things that you could do. Um, I have a starter recipe that I teach with my clients, and it's basically made from five elements. So these five elements, if you have the answers to these five elements, you can create any kind of marketing copy, right? It's knowing what the the problem is. What is the problem? If you can state the problem in like one or two sentences max, then you've nailed it. If you need more description than that, then you're not really clear about the problem. And people start to go, but yeah, there's like 12 problems. <laughs> okay, <laughs> what's the biggest problem? What's the biggest problem? And if you're selling something that's not um, a solution to a problem, think about what is the big desire that, I, you know, what is the thing that people want? And the second thing is, why hasn't that problem been solved or why hasn't that desire been fulfilled? Again. What's your answer to that in one or two sentences? The third thing is, what's possible? So what's possible once the problem has been solved? What's possible once the desire has been fulfilled? What does that world look like for that client or that customer? If you can paint that picture, 
in as much detail as possible, that's the key. The fourth thing is, why are you uniquely suited to provide that solution? Why you? And then fifth is your call to action. What do you want them to do? Do you want them to pick up the phone and call you? Do you want them to click over and schedule a, a free consultation? Do you want them to buy now? You know, what is it that you want them to do? And that's the call to action, or the thing I like to call the call to adventure, because <laughs> <laughs> call to action doesn't seem very story-like. But once you have those five elements, then you can use those in, and make sure that those things are there in any piece of copy <clears throat> that you write, then you should be um, doing some effective copy. The thing that makes it yours is you adding in the layers of you. So your testimonials, um, you know, your flavor of how you write or your voice, those kinds of things. Typically when I'm working with people who are trying to write their web copy for the first time or rewrite it, I have them write a couple of letters. I have them write a letter from themselves to the client using those five elements as the structure for the letter. And then I have them write a letter from the client to them with the same thing. So having the client tell them. And this is where they have to get creative and and use their intuition and kind of make it up because they don't know for sure, <laughs> right? What would the client say? What has the client said in the past? What are the what is it that you hear from people? So have you know write this letter, but write it from them to you, and you'll find really good things that you can pull out and use for your copy. That's awesome advice. Yeah, I like that letter idea. That's pretty nifty. It's not something I came up with. I have to say, this is something that many marketing people will tell you to do. But the letter writing really takes it away from, I'm writing a sales page. Mm -hmm. And you do get a chance to use more kind of specific emotional language if you're putting it in the sense of, I'm writing to one person. That one person is Joanne, and she has this specific problem. Right? It's not all your audience. <laughs> it's one yeah. person. And it takes great. us back to that specificity again. It, yes, exactly. And if Joanne is writing the letter to you, what is Joanne saying? Mm -hmm. How does she talk about it? Yeah, I like that. I like that. It, it makes me wonder about working with intuition. And I know you have your card deck, which looks totally awesome. I've been looking at it. Um, and so, you know, I'm wondering if you can speak a little bit about how intuition works in marketing and, more importantly, how you use your intuition to find great stories or marketing ideas, how one would use their intuition to help point them in the right direction? Well, I think first of all, um, the biggest thing is that you learn to trust yourself. You learn to hear your voice and you learn to listen to it. And when it says something, you know, you take inspired action. 
So one of my pet peeves is other of my marketing colleagues trying to sell you things like blueprints to six figures, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. or um, a whole bunch of templates on how to do something, fill in the blank, and then, you know, you've got a sales page. That's not intuition, mm-hmm. right? That's copying somebody else's way of doing it. When you're marketing your business from your intuitive sense of things, you're doing what's right for you. You are not doing something because somebody else said you need to. Right? You're not building a massive list because Joe down the street said, you must do this or you're a loser. Right. You pick the size of business that you want to grow to, and you do maybe three to five different marketing tasks that you love to do and do them really well, and you let everything else go, right? You don't try to do, you don't try to listen and take in from the outside all this instruction about what you need to be doing to market your business. I think that's the first thing. And in and terms of, no, go ahead. I, I was going to say, and that's, <clears throat> I think that's something that a lot of people who are working in more of the sacred arts and the heart-centered businesses, we get that actually. We can we can get that that whole thing about, you know, going with what you're feeling and and exactly what you're saying. It's yeah. funny because you would be surprised how many people are so good at listening to their intuition about some things, but when it comes to their business, they're like, well, you know, I want to hire this coach, and the coach told me that I need to do it this way, yeah. <laughs> and I have to have a, uh-huh. I have to have a funnel. I need a funnel, you know, or whatever, and it makes them cry- crazy, and they're mm-hmm. just, you know, they don't know why they feel like a failure because they can't follow that blueprint. So that would be the first thing. If you want to use your intuition to come up with new marketing ideas, um, which is really just, you know, playing with your creativity, then you have to make space for that. Mm-hmm. You have to make space to be creative. You have to make space in your life to think and daydream and follow whatever comes to you. So a lot of times entrepreneurs will be like, I have too many ideas and I don't know which one I should choose, (laughs) right? Mm -hmm. Raise your hand if that's ever happened. You know, it's, um, it's a thing, especially for people who are in touch with their intuition, to get lots of really fabulous ideas. What they probably need more of is Um, the ability to discern internally what they should and shouldn't be doing, you know, so that it doesn't become this whole bright, shiny object exercise. Um, And the way that you do that is taking, you know, slowing down, taking some time um, at least once a week with yourself to have a CEO meeting and think through what your goals are and which of your fabulous ideas will get you there the the fastest instead of, you know, just adding more to your plate because that's not good. Mm-mm. Yeah, not at all. Well, we are getting very, very close to our wind down, and this has really been 
a very helpful and meaty show. And I would love it, Taya, if you could tell people where to find you, but also to let them know where they can get this deck because a lot of our audience are tarot people or tarot friendly and uh, tarot pros, and I think that they're going to want to grab this deck. Sure. So um, my website is storybistro.com. And then in the navigation of that site, I believe I moved the gift shop link to... It's under uh, Let's Work Together. Yes, it's under Let's Work Together. So if you go to gift shop, then you'll find them there. Right, and Taya's also got classes and she coaches and she's just got a lot of fabulous stuff. So definitely if you're listening, you want to get to storybistro.com to see all these goodies that she is serving up. So... This Yay. So, Teresa, yeah. I yeah. have a question. You know, we like to talk about what we got out of this. So what was your biggest takeaway from this episode? What did you Ooh. learn? Well, I think the thing that I loved the most was how – I loved how Taya was showing her process for drilling down to really find those specifics and the idea of really getting – nailed down to those specifics so that you can pull the story out of it. I thought that was really brilliant. What about you? What is your biggest takeaway? What is your favorite advice that you got from everything that we discussed? Well, I loved I loved the specifics as well. I thought that was really, really good. And I loved Taya reminding us the cardinal rule of writing, which is to show, not to tell. Um, I also really loved what, what you said, Taya, about you know the the whole quest for your voice that really what that is about is taking the time to listen to your mm-hmm. voice right instead of like i'm going to go out there and find my voice somewhere in the wide world <laughs> i'm going to sit down and i'm going to listen to oh, my yeah. voice oh yeah and also about not doing the blueprint yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. Well, of course we would like that part, Teresa. We're yeah. so not. <laughs> <laughs> yes. We're birds of a feather, I think. Oh, Very yeah. Very much so. Very much so. So towards the end of each episode, we love to share also a few fun tidbits. Like this might be books that we're reading lately, blogs that we are nuts about, our favorite songs, our TV shows you know, anything we're eating, all kinds of stuff like that, just some fun things that we think you, our listeners, might enjoy discovering. You know, sometimes we also share business-related recommendations, sometimes not, because we can't just talk about business 24-7. Ah, so true. So, so true. So, Teresa, what is something that you've discovered recently? What are you into? What are you loving on? Well, I just want to talk about something that I'm loving on lately. I am loving on Nathan Briggs. Nathan Briggs is Ah, the guy who really takes care of my website, and you can find him at WPPampering.com. You know, every once in a while. I love that. I know. You know, Taya, he's so wonderful. uh, when, When my website got hacked a while ago, he swooped in. This guy didn't even know me. I got recommended to him by by Fabeku, and he came and fixed everything, and he hosts my site. And just recently, too, there was, like, some stuff going on, and he got in there, and he's like, you're all safe. You're all safe. And, you know, I love feeling safe and secure. So the thing that I am loving right now 
is Nathan Briggs. And I, I tell everyone, if you've got a problem with WordPress, if you've been hacked, or if you're just looking for someone who's going to hold your hand so you don't have to think about this stuff, Nathan Briggs, WPPampering.com. That's who I'm loving really hard right now. What about uh-huh. you, Bree? What I love that. I love I love Nathan too. Nathan does my hosting too, and he's totally saved my site from crazy hacker people. So yes, I'm I am I am putting that right there with Teresa. I am loving Jessica Reagan Salzman right now. Teresa, I was talking with you a little bit about her before our show started. So she is heart based bookkeeping, and I think that that's her website. I'm not 100% sure, but if you Google Jessica Salzman, heart-based bookkeeping, you'll find her her stuff. And she is my, it is, it's heartbasedbookkeeping.com, yay. She is my bookkeeper, and it is tax season, as many of us know. And Jessica and I and my husband, we work together, David and I do, as you all know, and we sat down and we just did our year-end review of 2015. And it was so awesome to have all of the numbers, to see what we were keeping, what we were spending, what we were spending it on. It was just like super organized and really crystal clear. And she's so positive and so delightful and even had a few really awesome ideas to save us money uh, as we go into 2016. And so she is incredible. And I know that numbers scare a lot of our people. Um, you know, how much you're making, how much you have to pay in taxes, all of that jazz. And she's just such a heart-centered person, too. She really gets the energetics of of what we do and, and sort of the inner part of what we do. So I love, love, love her, and I cannot recommend her highly enough. And that's heartbasedbookkeeping.com. Taya, do you got anything fun that you like that you're obsessed with right now? Well, I was looking at my desk thinking... Yeah, <laughs> um, I I got in the mail today uh, like five different packages, so Ooh. I'm 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 big on ordering stuff through the mail. Uh-huh. One of the things that I get in the mail regularly is this box called Grays. Yeah. And they send me these snacks that are healthy. And I have a brand new one sitting in front of me, and I'm really looking forward to eating. (laughs) There's there's a little banana caramel dipper thing, like there are little banana crackers with caramel dip that you, and then like some fruit, some cherries, some dried cherries and berries, some nut crunch with chocolate stuff in it, um, some pretzels with other things. I mean, it's just, you know, really wonderful. So it costs me like $7 a month or something. It's it's not very much. And it's always fun when I get the box. And now I have all these boxes. And I'm wondering <laughs> what the heck I can do with these. They need to be used. <laughs> you know, they're like these, they're, they're like the size of a book, right, because mm. you open it up. And I'm wondering if there's some kind of creative hack that somebody has figured out of how to repurpose these these boxes. Mm. Um, so mm. if anybody out there knows, please <laughs> email me. Yeah, but that would be one of them. And, and I just got um, Nancy Duarte's new book, Illuminate, which is mm. um, all about stories and ceremonies and symbols. So really looking forward to that. Oh, cool. 
Well, those are some great suggestions. And I think uh, let's just check in. Do we have any announcements? Bree, anything you want our listeners to know that's happening in your business world? Classes, projects, anything? <clears throat> you know, the big stuff that's happening at com and Milagro Roots is that I stopped doing email tarot readings. And I stopped doing one-off devotional candles. I just decided that I was at a place where I needed to focus more on writing and teaching. We are midway through spinning gold uh, the first year, and we're already making plans for what the next iteration will look like. And so I stopped those services to create more time to do the stuff that I really love and to work with my clients in longer-term settings and to work with my students, and it's feeling really good and really spacious. So that's the big news over here. What about you, Teresa? Is there anything happening in your beautiful tarot lady world? Anything new happening? Well, now I can formally announce it. Yes. Yes. uh, If you go to Amazon.com, my book is available for pre-order. It is the tarot coloring book, so definitely go look for that. Everything looks like it is a go. It is coming out in November, and it's going to be fun and fabulous. And if you are somebody who is really looking to have an experiential way of learning the tarot, this is going to be the book that you've been waiting for. Nice. So exciting. I like that. So I might have to copy that. <laughs> we might have to make another one for this for the for my tarot deck. That would be fun. That would be fun. Or it might be a bright shiny object. I'm not sure. <laughs> <laughs> so before we sign off, a very happy reminder that if you love talking shop, don't forget that you can listen to all of the previous shows for free by visiting the Talking Shop archives. You can just go to thetarolady.com to the tab called Free Resources, hop down to Talking Shop, and you'll find all the jazz there. And Bree, where can they find this on your site? You guys can just head to com. You will see the Work With Me tab, and if you mouse over that one, Talking Shop will appear, and you can just click right onto it and see the upcoming show that will be, you know, airing within the next month and get the link to the archive page where all of our previous shows live. Nice. Yes, very excellent. So, okay, folks, that's a wrap for this episode. And please join us again next month for another round of Talking Shop. We will be talking to life coach Deborah Smouse, about becoming a clear channel for your business. This is her area of expertise, and she is very good at it. Tuning into the seasons and clearing energetic clutter. It's going to be a great show, and it is one that I think, uh, if you are a person who tends to be very spiritual, you probably have a lot of tarot decks and a whole lot of other clutter. We're going to be talking about all that stuff. Oh, She's so good. She's so, so good about how we can dive into this with intentionality. It's going to be awesome. Right. And that show that show's going to be airing live on March 30th at 8 p.m. Uh, Central Standard Time. So until then, guys, you can find me, Teresa, at thetarolady.com. And you can find me, Bree, at com.
And thank you all so much for listening. Thank you, Taya, for being here. Thank you, Bree, for being such a wonderful co-host. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Keep taking action to build the mystical business of your dreams. Stay on your grind. Make it a great month. We know you will. Good night. Good night, everyone.